Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, my name is Jason and I love Star Wars. Hi there, I'm Tyler and I love Star Wars too. Welcome to the Mickey Rules the World podcast, spoiler cast, season-ish recap of The Mandalorian. We've been doing this uh, all season long, but we had some health issues and then some holiday issues. So we're back and we're going to be talking about the final three episodes of the series, The Prisoner, The Reckoning, and The Redemption. It's all over. It's all over. It's all over. And it's never coming back. Nope. But <laughs> Until this, was, this was the big thing that everybody wanted to get Disney Plus for. And now it's, it's that was two months ago, just almost two months ago. And now it's, now we're done. Now we're done. And we, nobody has any reason to continue using Disney Plus. That is a true story. I'm going to cancel my three-year subscription and re-up Very good. in fall of 2020. Good for you. That's not true. That's a lie. Maybe later this March when we get Clone Wars. Oh, that's season right. Season seven. New Clone Wars. When are we going to get Rebels season five? Oh, we're probably never going to get Rebels season five. So? I don't know. It'll be tough to say. We, uh, at some point here during the new year, we're going to do a, a Rebels episode. Yes. Talk about all Rebels. Yes. All things. things Rebels. So yeah, we're talking chapter six, seven, and eight today. Six... Jason, you and I both kind of mentioned it feels like it got back on track heading in a certain direction. The trip to Tatooine was a little exhausting in chapter five, but then we're back heading towards a goal with a little deterrent uh, in chapter six. Right. So uh, our Mandalorian, whose name we know now, thanks to the eighth episode, but I'm not going to say it until we start talking about that because it doesn't feel right. Tyler and Jason watching chapter six didn't know his name. So. <laughs> right. Um, he needed money. So he hooked up with some old mercenary pals and we got to see a bunch of uh, a bunch of cameos from a bunch of really cool actors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was super fun. So it was called The Prisoner. It was a prison break. Basically, they were going to a prisoner transport ship to break one of their members out of the prison and hijinks ensue. Yes. It's a prison break genre. This series has pretty much hit every genre imaginable. We've had Western. We've had Samurai. We've had a jailbreak heist. uh, We've had some adventure based. We've had just anything that you can imagine magnificent seven we've had some we've had some some comedy mixed in so it's been a mix of everything but chapter six also had a bit of horror to it yes and this is really really interesting so after kind of just skipping ahead here but after the mandalorian is caught in it turns out to be a trap he is then uh uh, left to die basically in one of the cells he is able to break out of the cell and in the process changes some of the security and cuts the power, does all sorts of good stuff. Everything goes, all of the walls, which at this point were white in the security ship, 
all turn red, this blood red color. And the associates of his are basically being hunted down one by one in the dark by him. Yeah, it was it was really good. Um, I was unsure of how I was going to feel about Bill Burr's character in all of the lead up. Uh, You know, he wasn't in much of the marketing, but, you know. He was there. He's traditionally somebody who does not like Star Wars. He does not enjoy it. He's talked about that in multiple interviews about how he thought it was dumb. And so I'm interested to see what his opinion of it is now that he has been in it. He did have one of the best lines of the episode when um, Bobby Elvis was the, the guy who brought everyone together, was explaining that Mayfield there was a former imperial sharpshooter and the mandalorian says that's not saying much and bill burr turns around and says i wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass and uh is is great yeah so i like that they were self-referential to stormtroopers that's a really funny point too because i was reading some stuff back in how people viewed stormtroopers in episode four in a new hope and originally they're supposed to be these terrifying minions that are these elite warriors and one guy goes and bonks his head on the Death Star, and that all goes <laughs> down the drain. And now they can't shoot to save their life, which also makes a really funny appearance in Chapter 8, which we'll talk about in yes. a second, too. But, yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I thought he did a really good job. I was convinced of his performance in that, and I, I, I he felt was like he himself. was... Exactly, yeah. Out of all of the other characters, did you have a favorite cameo slash appearance i always love clancy brown yes i think that he's great he was a a very good deveronian i liked seeing natalie tana Mm -hmm. who was osha in game of thrones and tonks in the harry potter series Uh, she was a very great twi'lek and uh, i have been seeing a bunch of things right like when you see things in movies and tv generally if you see it, it's there on purpose. And uh, there is a lot of talk from a, a bunch of people that I follow on Twitter about how the way that her Twi'lek was designed with her head wrap and all that stuff and the way that her forehead looks and things like that, that she might be formerly a male Twi'lek. Oh, interesting. And so... um because she does not have the little horns that poke out of the side that every other female Twi'lek has yes. in Star Wars history. So very interesting, like just how that's kind of there, but not spoken of. And maybe it's a thing and maybe it's not, but yes, interesting. It took me about a couple, it took me a couple lines to put it together, but I really like Richard Iote's character in this. <laughs> I am a big Richard Iote fan. I loved the IT crowd. Mm -hmm. It's one of my all-time favorite TV shows just for his deadpan humor, like straight, not trying to be funny, but just being funny humor. And I felt like that droid was, even though it was like a, a deadly character, had some of that humor and wit that comes with Richard Iote, just based on his voice, just voicing the character. I... I did find it interesting that while he was on the Razor Crest and the rest of the crew are on the prison ship doing their thing, whether rescuing the prisoner or fighting or whatever, uh, he was trying to search for 
the asset, the child, baby Yoda, because he saw pieces of Grief Karga's message to the Mandalorian. Right. Which we see in full in the next episode. Yes. But um, I enjoyed the... I like that as the series has gone on, Baby Yoda has more and more sort of uh, self-awareness and self-identity and self-preservation. Mm-hmm. So knows to get out of the way or to hide or to can sense that bad things are afoot. Right. So uh, there was a couple other fun um, cameos. Three of the other directors were the X-Wing fighters that come in at the end. <laughs> Uh, so Deborah Chow, Rick Famuyiwa, and Dave Filoni were the three pilots, which yeah, I thought that, that was, was cool. a lot of fun. I didn't catch; uh, I caught it when it was Dave Filoni, and I was like, "Oh, that's Dave Filoni." And then I, and then after watching it the second time, I was like, "Oh, that was also Deborah Chow." And oh, I have never really seen an interview or anything with Rick Famuyiwa, but then I was like, "I'm going to make the assumption that that is him as well." So when I I saw it the first time, and I was like, "Okay, that's Dave Filoni." And I was like, oh, that's Deborah Chow. So I waited until the credits and was watching the credits. And then I saw them mm-hmm. like one, two, three, Dave Filoni, Rick, Deborah Chow. Yes. I was like, all right, cool. There was also um, Matt Lanter is the the New Republic guard. Yes. Uh, the pilot. And, yes. The, uh, yeah. And uh, he's the voice of Anakin uh, in Clone Wars. He mm-hmm. does a lot of other voice work. Uh, I've never again I've never it's somebody who I've never seen in person I recognize the name but I had no idea I couldn't have told you that that was him right he didn't speak a lot either so but I thought that was a cool little little tip of the hat by Dave to somebody he's worked probably a ton with right so oh yeah because he is one of the main characters of the Clone Wars right he's in it a ton I enjoyed that while you anticipate that the Mandalorian is killing everyone. In the end, we see that he hasn't killed them. He has put them in a cell on this prison ship. So does that mean that there is the potential that we will see them again in season two? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. To me, it seems like Bill Burr did such a a real solid job with the character that he was given that you can't not expect to see them again. I, I think of it the same way as... As I'm working my way back through Clone Wars, the first time you see Hondo in in Clone Wars and you're like, oh, hey, you know, you meet him and you don't see him again for probably a whole season. And then he shows up in the next one and he just becomes one of those characters that does such a great job of interacting with that. Right. Now, maybe that's not this group in general, but I to me, leaving them alive one kind of gives you an insight into his character and the Mandalorian as a person. But two, I think it leaves the door open that you could have those characters oh, yeah. reappear and you know start having some of those ties that For come sure. together. We, at one point, almost got a peek under the helmet. Right. Just for a second. Right. And right. it didn't happen. Right. Uh, but they were they were very close. I, I, thought, I thought we were going to see it. And I thought it was going to be... I think he would have he would have had to have killed them then. Yes. Oh, yeah. for sure. Because uh, he he talks a lot about if nobody's ever seen me, what would happen if I saw your face? He'd have to kill them. Yeah. So there were a couple of fun. There was another fun Easter egg reference in here. 
at one point, Bill Burr's character uh, mentions Canto Bite. Yes. Which was a... Slot machines. Uh, it was an interesting reference to uh, Last Jedi. We've never really referenced that planet before outside of Last Jedi. And so I thought that was fun. But yeah, I to me, this was a... Let's start heading back in the direction of we don't we don't know how the season is going to wrap up. I mean, we do because we've seen the end of it now. But to me, this episode felt like, all right, you're going to get a lot of people together and you're going to have some action and then he's going to continue to go off on his own like he has. Because a lot of the season has been built up on he's going to different places and here are some characters that he interacts with and that's it. We don't see them again in the season or we don't see them again at all. Right. And this felt like uh, it fit a lot more with that serial vibe that most of the season has been. But I will say it was cool for him, for them to, there to be other characters involved in this one. A lot of this season has been, he shows up on a planet and interacts with one other person or nobody else. It's just him. You right. get to the end credits and it's his name and <laughs> maybe Carl Weathers. Yeah. And then that's it. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy I liked episode six. I did not go back and watch it like a third time. Mm -hmm. I watched it twice, but I didn't go back and watch it a third time. Like I did with seven and eight. I watched those a bunch. Yeah. I think that seven and eight felt a lot like one and two. So episodes one and two felt like a two parter that they split up into two episodes and then seven and eight felt the same way that it's a two parter. It ends on the big cliffhanger and then you get the, the end or, you know, the, the resolution shortly thereafter, but you ready to jump into right. episode yeah, seven. Let's, let's do this. So again, episodes, I agree seven and eight, it feels like part a part B. Yeah. So we're going to talk about them as within the context of one storyline. Now, I will say both of these were the longest episodes that we had gotten. Yes. We we 40 minutes. As we as they started to get through the season, uh we've shortly we've slowly increased the length of the episodes and I think they needed to tell the story that happened from 7 to 8. You needed more time. Well, and I I I think it also speaks to the benefit of not having they're not on a commercial TV timeline mm-hmm. right like they don't need to be 22 minutes so they can have eight minutes of commercials they don't need to be 42 minutes or whatever so they can have 12 minutes of commercials uh for an hour show so they can they do have the luxury of having a 35 minute episode or a 37 minute episode or a 42 minute episode or you know they can tweak it right to however long they need it to be and the seven and eight like they felt longer and I think it's just because of the weight of what was happening. So there was a lot more tension. There was a lot more like what's going to happen. And uh, I liked it. I thought that they did a, a really great job. Uh, Deborah Chow directed chapter seven and it was, I really enjoyed it. It was him going around. He gets the message from grief Carga saying, come on in. We got your back. So he goes around and he, picks up all of his friends and <laughs> goes as a big group. Um, what did you think about the re-establishment of IG-11? I thought it made sense. 
and I, I I feel like it was it was a character that you didn't want to waste like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they didn't waste it because clearly, chapter one, chapter two, that character's demise was written in with the mindset of oh we're going to bring him back later. Yes, and so yes. It we was, know that now it was raising the stakes from the beginning of boom anybody can die at any point, and then oh well we he's a droid so you know he can be reprogrammed. And re-brought back. And I liked it. I, I wanted to see more. I wanted to hear more Taika Waititi. So I'm glad that IG-11 wasn't gone. And I felt like it was a good use. And you see that even more in Chapter 8. But it was a good... Like, you needed to have him. You would not have made it without him. Right. And yes, and I correct. think it helps set that stage between... We've, we've kind of seen a lot of the Mandalorian's backstory. And we got the most that we had gotten in this yes. episode, but kind of seeing that need of he wasn't a big fan of droids and learning why he wasn't a big fan of droids, but then seeing kind of that relate that quick relationship built with IG-11. Yes. I think it was a good little mini story arc that happened within that episode. Well, and now, so that's all chapter eight. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but like, I love Gina Carano. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I've said that in every episode of the, spoiler cast that we've done so far i thought that she was a little stiff in episode four when we first meet her but we see her again he goes and gets her she's in her bar fight where she's electronically tied to the other person and beats the crap out of him and buys him a drink and i she felt much more at ease she felt much more natural in these two episodes and i really i really like the way that they have taken her character. She's heroic, clearly, but she's also pragmatic and smart about self-preservation. So, yeah, I don't I know. I, I, I thought it was really cool to see her get more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Action, more screen time, more more lines, yeah. things like that. So I liked the part. I like the, this feels like a collection of 
people who don't belong together. It's a mysterious warrior from a culture that has died out pretty much a small child that has some mystical powers, a (laughs) Ognaught and a former rebel trooper. And they're all coming together with a reprogrammed assassin droid. Like it just feels like the opposite. It feels like the Avengers of star Wars where, or it feels like the guardians of the galaxy of star Wars, which is a random collection of people that have all met and come together. And Hey, now we're going to go take down the what's remaining of the empire in this. Yes. Area. Um, So, so I enjoyed the, so they land, they, they meet up with grief Karga and the other two bounty hunters they make their way from where they are parked far away from the town. They camp overnight, attacked overnight. The two of the guys die. Um, Let me really quickly before you continue this, I want to ask, did you have any reservations as they land back on Navarro that grief cargo is setting them up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely thought that he was setting them up. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I was a, I was very apprehensive, any having to do with anything going back, them going back to Navarro because I knew it was going to be a trap. But he seemed super confident in it, more confident than he had been in episodes past. Right, and so after Grief Karga gets injured and then healed by Baby Yoda, which interesting that they chose to air this episode the day before the release of rise of Skywalker, where this power comes back into play. He has his change of heart where he decides that, you know what? No, we're going to, we're going to help the Mandalorian instead of turning the Mandalorian in shoots. The other two bounty hunters, they go into town that whole walk into town where he's like, Oh yeah, no four stormtroopers. The client has four stormtroopers and they walk in and the town is just lousy lousy with imperials it was i i enjoyed that whole time because um cara dune is just like i thought you said there were four four stormtroopers more than four yeah so that was kind of cool and uh i was very surprised when moff gideon showed up and just murders everyone oh yeah he just kills everybody kills the client i was not expecting us to lose werner herzog werner herzog character because because to me he seemed like this very he was this ominous kind of we didn't know his name we just knew he was just the client and he has this rolling voice that just makes it seem like he's this potentially really evil person and then nope he's gone nope he's just the middleman yeah <laughs> that i thought that was interesting we did not see dr pershing again correct yeah so potential to see him and he's back two. in Kamano. Right, wherever. Um, we still don't know what they were looking for with right. the child. We don't know specifically what they were after. We know that Moff Gideon wants it. Mm-hmm. So I think that with the revelation of the end of the episode, that gives me an idea of what he wanted. But we'll get to that in a second. In the midst of all this, the Mandalorian has sent Quill back to his ship with the child. They didn't take the child in. They took an empty right uh an empty floating disc for him but there's this really insane scene where uh he is being chased down by speeder bikes 
and uh, all of a sudden the kid's on the ground and I remember wa- I was watching this and I was like why did you drop the kid what is going on and then you and then right the the stormtrooper picks up the the child on his bike and continues back and you see Quill's body on the ground as they're trying to radio him and find yeah. out if he made it I was convinced convinced that Wednesday night that Quill wasn't dead he was just badly injured and yeah when those biker scouts swung around picked him up and took off back toward the city I was also expecting to see IG-11 come out of the ship Mm. and stop the biker scouts then got it and we didn't see that now granted we see him at the beginning of the episode eight but I really enjoyed the introduction of Moff Gideon uh the tie fighter with the wings that fold super cool mm-hmm. uh apparently that was taken from concept art from Rise of Skywalker oh wow and uh they liked it so much that they decided to use it so and the folding wing tie fighter and his troops that join the fray join the the fight uh as he arrives all pristine armor mm-hmm. all white clean brand new fresh death troopers standard tk stormtroopers um and uh an interesting note interesting trivia for both episodes seven and eight a lot of the people that were in the stormtrooper armor were members of the 501st legion from la uh like socal garrison the bay area garrison there are a bunch of different garrisons around california and uh i think Las Vegas, like that sort of radius that were invited to come because they needed a lot of troopers in a lot of armor. That's really cool. And um, so when I heard about that and I, you know, I started seeing the posts on Facebook, it's like, Hey, we can finally talk about this now. Like this is us um, with a bunch of friends that I have made from the 501st back when I was a stormtrooper. I was worried that it was like, Hey, Come and like, come and be in our thing. And, you know, like, we'll, we'll give you a shout out. Mm. We'll pay you an exposure. But I was uh, pleasantly surprised that all, they all got paid. Cause didn't so, we, uh, didn't we know something about this from back at D23? Didn't they talk about that? Wasn't there a rumor out there about at D23? I want to say that this is something we've talked about before and I could be maybe. completely wrong about this, but I thought that John Favreau actually mentioned during his, during their, um, at D23 or I think, was it yes. at D23 or Comic-Con? It was one of those two. I want to say that it was probably Comic-Con yeah, because you're right. I would have, I would have perked That's up had true. he said it at D23. So they had a, ma- they had a, uh, panel that he spoke at where he he talked about him and Filoni I think both mentioned that they they got to utilize the, the 501st yeah because they nice. needed help it was super cool seeing the five the 501st logo at the end of the credits yeah like special thanks to the 501st and you know big logo placement that was really cool but it was neat seeing that all of these pristine white stormtroopers uh that's all people that I know well not yeah. all but you know I know a bunch of those guys that and ladies that went and did that i was very interested to see that we had the return of death troopers that -hmm. we haven't seen since rogue one so episode seven ends with the cliffhanger that the empire has baby yoda yes and kuil is dead yes 
and they're trapped in this bunker. Yes, they're trapped inside the bar uh, with an open window out to the area with all the stormtroopers. And that was on Wednesday, the 18th, before Star Wars Rise of Skywalker opened on the 19th. And then we had to wait 10 days. Yeah, 10 days until the 27th. Which is funny because I was so hyped about Rise of Skywalker and really excited about it. Also, shout out to our Rise of Skywalker episode that we did last week. Make sure you listen to that uh, because we broke down the entire movie, what we both thought of it. Um, I was so excited. You you were so excited. We were looking forward to this happening on Friday that it was kind of funny because we came in, we recorded on Monday, and I was still thinking about Rise of Skywalker stuff into the middle of last week. And then we had, we had it was Christmas and lots of stuff happening. And all of a sudden, here it is Thursday night. And I, I it hit me. I was like, we have the season finale of The Mandalorian tomorrow in in a matter of a couple hours. And so I, I stayed up and was able to catch it late Thursday night, Friday I did, morning. I did the same thing. I was uh, up talking to our friend Tara who has emailed the show. Thanks, Tara. Tara did not email the show this week. So. Oh, she didn't? No. Oh, man. How dare. Um, Shout out rescinded. <laughs> we were up chatting because we were both waiting to watch episode eight. And so shortly after midnight, I'm in bed. I've got my TV set up. I've got the cat next to me. And I watch episode eight. It was amazing. It totally blew my mind. And the last scene of the episode, the last scene of the series, the season, happens, and I sat up in bed, I yelled an expletive, (laughs) and scared the cat that was sitting next to me. Not the cat! Poor Meow uh, was not very happy with me, because she was sleeping, but... Yeah, let's let's talk about episode eight. Yeah, because there was a lot in episode eight. So really quickly, to recap exactly what happens, we get a great scene, depending on your viewpoint of what side, I guess most people hate Jason Sudeikis at this point, but Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally are the two bike scout troopers that are hitting Baby Yoda in the sack, and... They eventually are disposed of by the reprogrammed IG-11. Yes. Um, it was a great scene. It was. It it just went from like, because you know what? And I and I realize this. We don't get a lot of that like just comp because you, you forget sometimes that the clones were replaced with just normal people who become stormtroopers. We learned that right. a lot more in the prequel tri- or the sequel trilogy here. Right. But a lot of these are just random guys and especially now at this point where they're just guns for hire. They're just standing around talking. There's there's a great there's that scene when they're aboard the Death Star in episode 4 where they're just you don't hear exactly what is being said, but it's kind of just like they're shooting the breeze with each other. Right, right. And that's how this is that new 216. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so this that's how this scene felt. It was just like two guys like joking around, "Well, I want to touch it." Well, we got to we got to look at it. We got to make sure it's still there. What if it's dead? What if we take it to this guy? What if we take it to Moff Gideon and it's dead? And it's just really funny because that, it's super relatable. And it, the thing that that stuck out to me about that scene, that opening scene of the episode, is how long it was, how much time they took setting that up 
and then knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Like, it was really great. I did not recognize Jason Sudeikis' voice until I saw it in the credits. I didn't either. And yeah. then I went back and was like, oh, yeah, no, that's, that's totally... Yeah. So now IG-11 on a speeder bike. <laughs> it was so good. Which, like, apparently droids can do everything now. They can ride bikes and... Yeah. So he's got the child and they're off towards the compound and then uh there's a there's this right before he bursts onto the scene there's this great moment where moff gideon just establishes himself as this badass villain by saying hey i like here's who is in the compound i haven't seen any of you really but oh is that you kara kara cynthian what is it kara cynthia dune Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderaan and yeah. everybody goes what she's from Alderaan yeah. and then it's oh and it's Grief Karga the disgraced magistrate and you're 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 like oh my gosh and then he drops the bomb and calls the Mandalorian Din Djarin yes which I believe two spoiler casts ago I actually spoiled that his name was Din Djarin because, right, because he said it in an interview yeah. several months ago so technically we did kind of know we just didn't know for sure anyways so he drops bomb after bomb of just naming everybody who's in the compound and a little bit of their backstory there's a ton of info that we get about the mandalorian's character about din uh that he was on mandalore during uh the great purge that he was actually a part of Mm -hmm. and through some it's 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 a great moment where we take away so much exposition without, hey, here's everything we want to tell you about these characters. Right. We waited, uh, what is it? We were, we met Kara in four. So we waited four more episodes to learn that she's from Alderaan. Right. We waited eight episodes to learn the title character's name and his some of his backstory. Uh, I just, I loved that they withheld all of that, but it felt like a real power move for him to just be like, Oh, you guys think you're hiding from me, but I know who you are. Yeah, I know so. exactly who you are. I know exactly where you came from. And I thought that the, like, we've seen pieces of Din, our Mandalore. I'm just going to call him Mando. We've seen pieces of his little backstory memory. We've seen flashes of it here, flashes of it there. But now we get the entire scene uncut. And we see him with his parents running from battle droids. We see him being put into the storage shed for protection, explosions, door opens, uh, battle droid, super battle droid there, ready to kill him, gets destroyed by lasers from off screen. And we see that it is the Death Watch. It is Clan Vizsla that has come down and is, you know, has rescued him along you know like they're taking care of the town clearly but uh he is specifically rescued by clan Vizsla, mm-hmm. which it's not mentioned in the show but if you have watched the other dave filoni offerings clone wars and rebels that name that symbol is very important in mandalorian history correct i i have a question for you and maybe yes. this is something that we we will get more of but do you think that it is not a mistake and there is something that we're going to learn about that has to do with why he then 
did not wear the symbol of Clan Vizsla and was clearly not a part of that. He was saved and adopted into this clan and yet did not I wonder have that if, signet. I wonder if he had to earn his way into that clan and then Clan Vizsla was destroyed or mm. wiped out before he had that opportunity and he became an adult Mandalorian after the purge. And so he is finding his own way without a specific clan because even in that third episode, I think it was where he's in the Mandalorian culvert down in the sewers and they're doing their thing and they're talking and all of the Mandalorians are there and we have John Favreau's voiced Mandalorian, his name in the credits was Vizsla, but he's not like they're not a clan. They're right. just a collection of Mandalorians yes. that are trying to survive. Yeah. So I, I'm curious if it's something to do with that or mm-hmm. if we'll see that or have some sort of mention of it in the future yeah. as the, the series continues. I just I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought the 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 parallel of that scene where he as a child is being lifted off the ground and flying through the air with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Or with the Mandalorian with the jetpack, and he's looking down on the battle below. And then the end of the episode where he has the child, and he has his jetpack now, and he takes off. And Baby Yoda is looking down at, you know, and sees Grief Karga and Cara Dune below in much, you know, like in a very identical, like mirror image. Right. You know, like he was a child being rescued. This is a child being rescued and is now a foundling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see where they go with it. Yeah. Right. Like, as we found out in, in the episode, they escape from the bar because IG-11 comes in throws off their plans everybody jumps into action they start shooting things mandalorian grabs the e-web all of that happens 
Uh, Moff Gideon shoots the power source to the E-Web. It blows up, throwing Mando against the wall and critically injuring him. They pull him back inside the bar. Um, they cut their way into the sewer grate. They go down. And then we get the big reveal, right? So it's just IG-11. It's just the Mandalorian. And uh, IG-11 has to take his helmet off if he's going to be able to save him. And we have that that moment where uh, the Mandalorian finally trusts a droid. Yeah. And the droid is able to, you know, like put his mind at ease. I'm not a living being. I'm not a living thing that is going to see your face. I'm just a droid and I'm going to heal you and then put your helmet back on. And he takes his helmet off and it actually is Pedro Pascal. Yes. Were you surprised? I was. I was. I Part of me was still expecting that it wasn't going to be Pedro Pascal and that was going to be a big reveal. Now, I will say we got plenty of big reveals in this and like kind of shocker moments. So I wasn't disappointed when it came to the end and it wasn't that, but it would have been kind of just one of the biggest middle fingers <laughs> to parade this guy around. <laughs> and then it turns out he's not even involved. He's just the voice. Yes. Um, no, I, I thought that was really cool. I, I like that we got to see his face, mm-hmm. but I'm also, I don't know. It's kind of like Judge Dredd. If we had seen Carl Urban's face once in Judge Dredd, I don't know that it would have had the same weight, but it's a little different because Judge Dredd, you can at least see his mouth. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, they go down into the, the culvert. They find the armorer. They discover that the entire Mandalorian clan has been killed. Or, or fled. Right. Would they have fled without their armor? So I was, I was, and I think maybe this is where it's up for interpretation. Mm -hmm. She did have a dialogue line that said some of them may have made it off planet. Right. But I agree. I I think that a lot of them would have rather died than take their armor off. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think that there are some of them that maybe realized that if they were to survive and their way of life was to survive, they were going to have to sacrifice the most important thing to them. And that was their armor. So yeah, because if they take off their armor, nobody recognizes them. Right. It was interesting to see the immediate change of heart in Mandalore, our Mandalorian din when he's like, no, I've, I have to stay and I have to help now. And the armorer, Emily Swallow's character having to say, no, you need to go take care of this kid. Like you need to, this is your foundling now. Yeah. You need to go do this. I was reading the AV club sort of recap of the episode and their, their thoughts on the episode. And one of the things that they said was uh, they had a feeling that the Mandalorian wasn't going to be able to make it through an entire season without mentioning the Jedi by name. Mm-hmm. And, we get the Jedi by name. It's still in couched in myth and legend, but she does say sorcerers called Jedi. Yes. So what do you, were you pleased by that? What did like, so I, what were your feelings to me? It's, it's an interesting one. And again, the sequel series, we've gotten this kind of perspective of, 
oh, the Jedi. I thought they were a myth. Like, the Force is real? Like, that's a thing? But then you and I have always kind of talked about the one thing that we want to see is, what about people who aren't connected to other people? Yes. So if if the rebellion and the resistance and that group always knew about the Force because they had General Leia and they had Luke Skywalker and all that, what about people outside of that sphere? Yes. And what would their knowledge be of the world? And after so many years, after 25 years... Is that how long it's been after crap? I'm I'm forgetting our timeline uh, now. Force Awakens is 25 years after the Mandalorian. Okay, cool. So after, gosh, it's been at least five to ten years after the Battle of Yavin. So right. at that point, I think we're 11 years after Yavin. Okay, in the Mandalorian, because which would have been what? Because Endor is four years after Yavin. Okay, and this is seven years after Endor. So we're at least. Eight years after Luke Skywalker defeats Darth Vader, but anybody outside of that sphere didn't really, may not have any understanding what's going on and can't even remember back far enough to Order 66. Right. So this idea that, oh, there was a group of people called the Jedi, that that's not something that maybe a lot of people would know. I think that as a... I was kind of intrigued a little bit because as a Mandalorian, I would assume he would know a lot about his culture and there's a lot of history between the Mandalorians and the Jedi. So to me, that was a little intriguing that like he wouldn't know exactly what that is. But what I like is that he immediately picks up on the fact that this child that is now mine, it's my foundling. It is now my responsibility until I'm able to return it to its own. Him and I are pasts our enemies. Because there's been years going back to the war on Mandalore back in Knights of Old Republic era and and even earlier where the Jedi and the Mandalorian were not always cordial with each other. Right. And so I thought that was really interesting that now he is bonded to his clan is made up of a Mandalorian and a Jedi and he is stuck that way until he can return it to where it came from. Or until the child becomes of age and chooses to take the creed and become a Mandalorian himself. Correct. I think I want that to happen. So it's going to be like what a, I want. It's not. <laughs> it's not Baby Yoda wielding a lightsaber. It's Baby Yoda double pistols or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like I, and we we can get into this in a second when we talk about the end of the episode. But I do want to give a shout out to the armor, <laughs> and uh, the voice is Emily Swallow, but. They listed her, her stunt, like the stunt double that was doing all of the the fight scenes. Lauren Mary Kim has been in a bunch of different things. She has been in Mortal Kombat as a stunt performer for the video game. She was in Alita Battle Angel doing stunts. She was in Daredevil as a stunt double. Iron Fist as a stunt double. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a stunt double. Into the Badlands as a stunt double. She's done a ton of stuff. And so she was the person fighting in the armorer's armor at the end of the episode. And that fight was one of my favorite parts of the episode. And it has it's getting zero mention on social media, which blows my mind. Because our our armorer is there. She's on her knees. She's got her tools crossed and she's just waiting she's waiting for these stormtroopers to come in and six stormtroopers comes in and she just 
she beats them to death with her tools and it was amazing she broke the dude's jaw broke the bottom of his helmet off like so cool there was the, the i mean there's the 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 one and you immediately were like hey did you see the one where she like pushed him into the yes. melting pot and like oh man and he just so dis- disintegrates into it uh yeah lots of that 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 scene in itself just the hand to hand combat side of, oh man it was beautiful without needing all of these weapons she's crafted basically she crafted the whistling birds that we saw him use at one point and she has access to all of the stuff that she can create and she doesn't need any of it she just uses her two hands which is insane she gives uh din jaren the mandalorian his jetpack the rising phoenix i really liked the way that they talked about you know when she was like have you trained with the rising phoenix yes when i was a boy like you need to practice with it if you don't practice with it, it won't respond to your commands. Right. And like that was, I, I like that. I, I enjoy that sort of, um, you know, that little piece of lore that it becomes a part of them. Yes. She holds off the stormtroopers coming through. They make their way down to a lava river. So they, they board this like ship and the R2 units acting like a, a gondolier that, pushes them down the river um but ig11 in looking ahead can see and the mandalorian can see that there's a ton of stormtroopers waiting for them at the mouth of where this cave opens up that they're going to come out of and so in a ultimate moment of sacrifice ig11 uh his ultimate programming is overrided by he can't be captured right and so he basically gives himself up and he walks out into the river out into out of the mouth of the cave first and in the middle of that he explodes and in an explosion takes out all of the stormtroopers and now they have they are free to make their way through and it's this really like sad moment of like the second time we've seen ig11 die and now (laughs) for sure he is definitely gone right do you believe that we will see another ig unit Voiced by Taika Waititi. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think it's the the fact that they are numbered and that they are there gives credence to that, but it won't be the same. You know, it'll be a hunter. So right. that might lead to some hesitation. What did you, th- do you think that his sacrifice was necessary? There were only... I thought there were going to be a lot more stormtroopers. 15, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like they could have taken them. True. But I think it was more, they, they were, they couldn't go anywhere once they came out of the cave. They were basically just sitting on the ship and they didn't have any, like nothing could barricade them or they couldn't shield themselves from anything. So any like shot, like they couldn't hide behind anything. They were basically just sitting in the middle of this lava river and couldn't go anywhere. So I think it was more just the fact that they were going to be like sitting ducks. But I also agree. I think they could have taken and put up a fight with some of those stormtroopers. Yeah. I mean, it was easier this way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And led to the the final showdown with Moff Gideon, which was awesome. It was great. So Moff Gideon comes out of kind of the distance in his um, TIE fighter, his modified TIE fighter. And makes a first pass and and then ultimately we see 
the Mando's uh, jetpack in use for the first time. It looks awesome. I, I told you earlier, it felt a lot like Tony Stark's first flight where he collides with the the fighter jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and with John Favreau writing this, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some inspiration from that. Sure. But it it was an awesome scene and watching him try to blow it up. I, I was shocked. I, I thought for sure he was going to fall off and then he would have to chase it or he would be chased by it. It seemed really easy. And yet at the same time, it was still awesome. Outside of being knocked around a little bit when he's on top of hanging well, I mean, on to it. You know, like you, you plant an explosive on a on a flying machine. It's it's going to fall out of the sky. True. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I thought that was a brilliant. I, I love that they. Chekhov's gun. Set up like restock your munitions and he goes over and he takes three charges specifically and puts them on his belt and then you see him take them from his belt and you know like i thought that that was amazing planning in the in the way that they wrote the episode he is able to destroy the tie fighter it crashes he lands takes the baby says his goodbyes to grief carga and cara dune uh says that he's going to go like figure out what he's going to do with the kid goes to the ship takes off and and Kara is going to stay on Navarro with grief and, and yeah. work with him. Yeah, which I think... Which is great because you keep, both, you keep <laughs> both of them in the same place so that he can come back and, oh, oh they're both my friends again. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I then want, the ending. I want to see more of yes. Cara Dune. I agree. I, more, more, more. More, more, more. Yes. Then that ending, Jawa's picking at the TIE fighter because they think it's just crashed ruins and... Moff Gideon cuts his way out with the dark saber. And that was the part that I thought like you and I talked about this well earlier today when we were talking about recording and it's like, we both thought that he was just cutting his way out with like a torch or with some sort of tool inside the tie fighter. But then the tip of that blade sticks out and you see that distinctive white outline of black Mm -hmm. light and that was what made me sit up and yell at my TV. And scare your cat. And, and scare, scare the, cat. the cat. And uh, I, you know, like, how did he get it? Where where are they going from here? What does this mean for House Vizsla? What does this mean for Bo-Katan? What, is, like, what does this mean for all of these characters that we have seen in Clone Wars and Rebels so far? Right. Where do we go from here? Oh, and we we failed to mention that... The armorer gives the Mandalorian his signet of the mudhorn. He gets the mudhorn. Yes. And uh, she proclaims him a clan of two, mm-hmm. him and the child, since they together took down the mudhorn. That the signet was really cool. It looked awesome on the armor. But uh, so he's flown away. And now we have Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Um, what do you what are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm really interested to see how all of this ties in with other Star Wars now, because at one point during his introduction and him describing other characters, Moff Gideon mentions different events that happen on Mandalore, and there's a big one. So the entire next season of Clone Wars, the final wrapping up of the series, focuses around the siege of mandalore which takes place at the same time as order 66 so 
for what we can grasp, I would not be shocked to see a Moff Gideon cartoon animated appearance in Clone Wars season seven. I think there's going to be an introduction of that character, a younger version of that character introduction that is going to kind of set the scene of he was on Mandalore for a while. He was running Imperial units on Mandalore that caused the purge of Mandalore, but he had been there for a while. So there's a good chance that there's going to be overlap there. I'm interested to see how the storyline goes from where did he get the... He had to get that Darksaber during the Purge. And I'm assuming the Purge, because we don't know a ton about the Purge. Yes. But what we do know is it had to come at some point after... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Rebels, because there were Mandalorians still living on Mandalore at that point. So it'll be interesting to see how does that thread line through Clone Wars, Rebels, and now the Mandalorian. Because the Darksaber is now one of those tie that binds all three of those series together and could tie in future episodes of the Mandalorian. But I loved seeing that. To me, that's one of the coolest weapons in Star Wars. Yeah. And we've only ever seen it as in animated shows. So to see it in live action, I just thought was really cool and really exciting. Because now there's that opens up like so many other things to, hey, what could, you know, what has shown up in animated that could be in live action and vice versa. The same thing happened too with um, Saw Gerrera. Right. He was introduced in Clone Wars. Right. Had his character in Rogue One and then Forrest Whitaker revoiced the character in Rebels. Right. I do enjoy how they took a bunch of elements of things that happened in Rogue One and kind of repackaged them for Rebels since Rebels takes place before it in the timeline. Right. That was I lots, you know, references to director Ke- uh, Kennick mm-hmm. and all Krennic and all of that stuff. And then, you know, Saw being older and grumpy and... But not... You know, not but not white-haired. And not... Um, mechanical as mechanical yet either with his bolts and fake legs and all that stuff yeah so to me that was a great ending to a season because it's not like the mandalorian is like hanging from a it's not an actual cliffhanger where he's hanging from a cliff and oh no what's gonna happen well tune in next season to find out or you know oh they're all heading towards something and you see like another ship follow them or something right, right. like 
he's okay. The child is okay. Everybody's kind of set, but this was a great tease to get you set up for. We haven't seen the last of Moff Gideon and he's got something else going now that we know he wields the dark saber. Yes. And I do enjoy that even though he's there and we see him and he's still a threat, he's going to have to, he's starting from basically page one. Mm Mm-hmm again to try to find him unless he goes and you know kidnaps grief and cara dune because right. they're still there on navarro and uses them as bait or whatever who knows what's going to happen in season two john favreau does and he told us that season two is coming in fall of 2020 how about that that's a lot sooner than i was expecting right you and i had uh guessed it would be probably middle 2021 yep this is a full six months ahead of that there's a lot of really cool directions they could go but what i love is they have kind of set up the heading for it. There's there's now a goal. For a while, it was just to survive and put his armor together. Yes. You actually nailed that before in season one or in episode one. You were like, yeah, this season's going to be about he's got to put his armor together. Yep. And he does that. He finishes it with his jetpack in, in uh, chapter eight. But now we kind of have this direction that we'll be heading into season two. It's all about him trying to find out where his youngling came from. Yes. His child came because it is now his child uh, where he came from. But also, I think we're going to see potentially some training, maybe some like interaction, some how does this all fit together with Mandalorian culture, but him also like Baby Yoda also being a Jedi and how does that all fit together? Well, I mean, you know, like we we are throwing terms around fairly loosely, right? Like in order for him to be a Jedi, he would still have to train to become a Jedi. Yep. But that is part of the question that I have about where they are going with this. Are they going to try to find his species and his, you know, like the planet of the Yoda people, or are they going to try to find the Jedi with finger quotes, you know, like, and try to find, that group of sorcerers that maybe is an enemy to Mandalore and maybe not. Or is he just going to abandon trying to find somewhere to relinquish control of the child and just train him until he can make the choice to become a Mandalorian or not? So I think there's some questions into how how long is the timeline going to be between the gap of season one and season two? Like, are we going to get a little bit of aging out of Yoda, of baby Yoda, the child? But also, I thought it was interesting. There's a report out there. It's it's being widely reported at this point. But season two is going to feature some pre-known characters. And more than likely, that will deal with characters from the Skywalker era. What do you think of that? I think it's, I think it's fine. Uh, it's pretty common for Star Wars to tie into other things that are happening. I love Clone Wars. And I love Rebels, but even that like involves other ca- like Rebels brought Rex back in. Spoilers for Rebels uh, <laughs> brings Captain Rex back in, and he plays a huge role in the series. You know, uh, we get introductions to other characters that we haven't interacted with. They brought back spoilers for Rebels. But they brought back Ahsoka too, and played a big role and she already you know she already had her own series but we brought her back and she plays a actually a fairly large role in rebels as well so i'm okay with seeing some of those characters appear i think is there still a chance that that could hint at 
who was Boots at the end of chapter five. Right. Well, and because that was a question we thought was going to be answered at some point and it wasn't. And so it wasn't. That that clearly is going to follow us into season two. Right. So my thoughts are similar to when we were in our lead up to the Mandalorian. I want to see new stories with new characters. I don't want us to have to lean on the crutch of characters already established characters from other properties and other movies and things like that. I think basically I just want to avoid us leaning on the Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo tropes again. Um, It didn't do well for the sequel trilogy. They're great movies, but they were kind of limited and lacking in their scope because they tried so hard to just re imagine and rehash what has already come. So now if it's bringing in characters from rebels and things like that, like we have the dark saber, we have clan Vizsla, like we have all of these references to clone wars and rebels, other Dave Filoni properties. I think that that's interesting, but I don't want it to be a crutch. And I think that that's, you know, like there is a risk of, you know, oh, but, you know, like, look at this new person that we're bringing in and look at this new person that we're bringing in. Kind of like with, you know, like, oh, check it out. We've got Taika Waititi as IG-11. He's going to be a big part of the season. And yes, he was for the first episode and then the last two episodes. But then they were like, oh, yeah, Ming-Na Wen, she's going to play a, an assassin and, you know, like super special. And she had what three lines of dialogue and was in the movie or in the show for two minutes. And, um, and now we have, you know, so yes, there's a lot of potential there. I thought we were going to get some answers to what was her significance and who was the person that found her body or found her if she wasn't dead. Um, so lots of, lots of room for places to go in season two. I just don't want them to, I don't think they will. There's, there's but. one more question I want to ask you, mm-hmm. kind of as we wrap up here, season one. Yes. Heading into season two. And it's not about speculative of the future for the series. It's more, is this a potential problem for the future? And I'll preface this with, I, I found an article um, on uh, The Wrap, which is an entertainment site, but it is titled... Uh, the Mandalorian, what you need to know about Moff Gideon's weird sword. Okay. The final scene of season one of The Mandalorian revealed that this new villain carries a strange weapon. And I'll say it for this because it's something that we've kind of already talked about before. There was, there have been people who've talked about the problem with Rise of Skywalker is there were, you needed to do more than just watch the movies to understand certain things and know exactly what was happening. Uh, there was a dictionary book that came out that told us that the opening scene was on Mustafar, that we had right. no idea. And, right. And the that, other, dictionary, yeah. that the other characters were involved. Uh, Star Wars is rich with content right now in terms of video games. I I just started playing Fallen Order. I love it. It's awesome. There's some interesting things in there that I've seen. Hey, this ties into the Star Wars world. There's comic books. There's regular books out there. The Aftermath series apparently has tons of info in it. All of this stuff, if you know everything because you've experienced all these different mediums, you can fully understand what's happening in the Star Wars story. Does the Mandalorian have this issue because there's a lot that is based off of 
preconceived things from Clone Wars and Rebels, which, let's be honest, a lot of Star Wars fans have not seen those things because they're six season and four season cartoon series that a lot of people just aren't into. Right. Yeah. Is this a bigger issue for Star Wars as we've talked about the potential bigger issue that Marvel could run into down the road? Yeah. And I'm interested to see what they do with that. You know, like if they're able to explain it inside the context of the show, inside the canon of the show, awesome. If they just hand wave it and somebody posts on Twitter and is like, you should go watch this episode, this episode and this episode of Rebels, that feels like a cop out and pretty lame. I hate that so much of the context and so much of the backstory behind some of the things that happened in Rise of Skywalker are locked away inside the visual dictionary. I love the visual dictionaries. I've, I have enjoyed them ever since I, you know, started reading star Wars material, but that does seem like a potential issue or I I don't know. It's not really gatekeeping. It's just, it seems like an issue that could limit people's, enjoyment because because hyperactive p1 star wars fans like you and i freaked out about seeing the dark saber at the end but if you have never seen clone wars or rebels you probably got to the end and if you were one of those people if you never saw either of those please email us and tell us what you thought of that final scene because i'm i'm intrigued to but i can expect that there's a little bit of like oh he's holding a lightsaber but what does that mean or right Oh, is he a Jedi too? When I know, okay, the dark saber is something passed down through the history of Mandalore. So he is clear, like he's clearly the conqueror of Mandalore. That's basically what it tells, like kind of the, the vibe that you can get from that. Not that, oh, he's also a Jedi. Right. Or he's, he's the new Sith Lord for this. No, I think it doesn't hint to that, but I understand that because I've, I've have prior, you have the context. Exactly. Um, I was reading the comments on a few different websites. I like I read through the AV Club article and then was reading some of the comments below it. And there are a lot of people that did not know what it was. And I was on Twitter this weekend and a friend of mine posted and was like, I need to know more about this sword that this guy was holding. And I was like, oh man, like you're in for a treat when you read up on that or see the episodes that have to deal with that. But Here's what it is. And, uh, you know, it's exciting for people like me, people like you to share that information with our friends, with people that we know that are excited about the show, too. But I don't want it to become a I I want it to be. Yay, I'm excited to share this and not. Why don't you know this already? Correct. You know, like I, I don't want it to become a gatekeeping. Potential where. You know, you're not a true fan if you don't know what this is, because that's, you know, I agree. Anyway, cool. All right. Well, uh, lots more to come. I am hoping that we get some more crossover stuff potentially with the Mandalorian in Clone Wars season seven. I would not be shocked considering that I believe Dave Filoni is still involved with Clone Wars and that would seem like a very Dave Filoni thing to do to cross two things over. He's probably got to make sure that George Lucas is okay with all of it, but all that to say, this was one of the best TV shows of the year. 
Yes. Yes. People are saying that The Witcher has now dethroned it, and I think people were really hyped over The Witcher because it because you got it was a different experience because yeah. everybody was really excited about The Witcher for this last week, and it's because it just came out and you could watch the entire season. Whereas we've been excited about The Mandalore for two months now, and it's kind of seeing into how that's a a different vibe now that we get back to hey you get an episode every week i did find it interesting there was a an article i read that was talking about how the difference between bingeables like the witcher like stranger things and episodic weeklies like watchmen and the mandalorian they saw the audience grow exponentially over time with the mandalorian as more excitement and more episodes came out and so and it was talked about for a long time Mm -hmm. and then the witcher dropped and yeah the witcher has taken over for a week because it's the hot new thing but it's gonna drop off real fast and you know i watched i watched the witcher in one night because i had the opportunity to and i just didn't choose to slow roll it like i have with other you know shows in the past and so i don't know i like i like the weekly rollout i enjoyed watchmen a lot because of that i enjoyed the mandalorian a lot because of it i had so. something to look forward to every week yep and now i won't now i can slip into despair <laughs> now we're through, done through january and february so cool well that'll do it for this episode of the mandalorian spoiler cast to be continued in fall of 2020 Hopefully lots of more fun story stuff to come in over the next year on Disney Plus. Tyler, any final thoughts? Uh, no. All right. Well, don't forget that you can contact us anytime. You can email us mrtwpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at mrtwpodcast. So yeah, hit us up. Let us know that you're listening because that would be cool. Um, as we move into 2020, this is uh, the final episode of the MRTW podcast for this calendar year, 2019. We are going to be back next week with our first episode of 2020, which is going to be our kind of year in review of 2019. It might be a little bit longer. And year in preview. Year in review, year in preview. Um, We have a lot to talk about because there's been a lot going on, Mm -hmm. not only with Disney Plus, but with the parks and with movies and all of that stuff. So... We're going to have a bit of a longer episode next week where we talk about all of that stuff, but we are also, um, we're doubling down on what we're going to be doing with our social media outlets and our uh, contact and all of that stuff. So stay tuned for more information there and uh, please do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MRTW podcast because um, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of new stuff. Yeah. So check it out. And um, yeah, my name is Jason. I love Star Wars. My name is Tyler, and I confidently also love Star Wars. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Mickey Rules the World podcast, Mandalorian season recap, spoiler cast. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> the Mickey Rules the World podcast is an iHeartRadio podcast production of 96.5 Jack FM in Seattle and copyright 2019. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.